I had no other bearing. I had no perspective. I just said, wow, these principles really, really sound good. They're based on 4,000 years of people living and managing money. They go clear back to the earliest time money ever became known in Babylon. And so I'm, I'm sitting here going, wow, I got to buy into this. I mean, I, I, yeah. what else is there? I, what do I have to lose? And so, so I did hook, line, and sinker. I bought into those principles. So that's why I kept reading and have my family read and read, read, read. And, and, and then I committed it to memory. And, and, then, and then there was a chapter on the clay tablets. And it teaches you how to pay off one debt, put that debt payment on the next, roll down. Some people call it power down. Some people call roll up uh, and snowball effect. But, but, the, but the principle absolutely works. And you can see it in, in the geometric progression on mathematics. You can see it in every part of our life. This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, welcome to the Better Wealth Podcast. And today I had the opportunity to sit down with Peter Jepson. And this is what I'm gonna say. This was such an amazing interview that not only did I cancel the two other things that I needed to do so that I could talk to him for another hour, but we are gonna make this into two interviews. Peter has had a direct and indirect impact on my life. And out of all the interviews that I've done to date, I'm putting this one up on either my most favorite conversation to date or one of them. And this is what I'll say. Peter is 73 years old. He's been licensed for over 50 years. He's spoken across the country, not just in money, but a motivational speaker as, as he's going to talk about. He's been, um, he, I mean, he fought for his life. He got burned in a tragic, tragic accident. And he has such an amazing perspective. And I'm telling you, you guys, you're not only going to learn so much about money, This this, and I'm asking you to share this with people people that need to hear. Uh, but I, I just think you're going to walk away super encouraged. So the first, this first episode, we talk a little bit about his story, his, you know, upbringing. And then, but are we really focus on the 10 principles and the 10 principles apply to who everyone listening to this, but it really, really applies to the person that just needs a grasp on this whole money thing. And just like myself, Peter was inspired by the richest man in Babylon. And so he not only talks about a story, we go through the 10 principles and then it goes so amazing that I just ask him <laughs> mid interview, I'm like, listen, man, let's continue to do this. And we're going to come out with another episode um, after talking about some of the things that we talked about in this first episode. So you want to make sure to pay attention, take notes and enjoy this amazing conversation that I had with Peter. Peter, welcome to the show. Delighted, Caleb. So I am so excited about this uh, conversation because we've actually had, we probably had a two hour recorded presentation uh, of you going through your story and it's so amazing. Um, but what I wanted to do here is to go over your 10 principles, go over your story briefly, but then go over like your, like you've dedicated your life, you've dedicated over 50 years of your life to helping people with money. And not only do you have one of the most inspirational stories, but Peter, I am in this business because I got indirectly uh, influenced by you at 19 years old, going to a conference that will remain nameless that used all your IP. And started. I started understanding like, man, we can get people out of debt in nine years or less. And you use life insurance on the back end, but there was 10 principles. And I found out this year in meeting you that 
that you came up with those 10 principles and it's not nothing that you necessarily came up with but like that it was a collection of just wisdom and time i'm i want to jump into those but i would before that i would like to go over your story and your backstory about richest man in babylon about your accident and about why you're so passionate you're 73 years old and you're serving people every day and mentoring people like myself it's a true pleasure to have you on the show i'm just delighted really just love to help people yeah so so your life changed pretty dramatically when you got in an accident. You want to tell a little bit about that story and how old you were and just what happened? I was a freshman at uh, Boise State University and I bought a, a, a very inexpensive German car. It was a Volkswagen Beetle and I could get a whole month of driving on one tank and I was really glad for that I, I had no idea that that could uh, explode so someone someone hit me in the front and my gas tank exploded it burst open and went all over and the fire enveloped me and and so i was trapped in that car for a few minutes and these three passerbyers three men jumped out of their cars and pulled me from the wreckage and they stamped out the fire and took off my clothes that were burning and they took off my shoe and it burst into flames. Gas went all the way down and sunk into my shoes. And I was just, uh, but it, it really caught me in the front of where your hands on the steering wheel and went through my face, down my back and legs. So that's where I lost all my skin. And so when they took me to the hospital, they didn't, there's not a chance I could live. Uh, but the fortunate thing is that I was knocked out and I didn't breathe for about four minutes. Yeah. So when people are in fires, they breathe in that hot searing smoke and it's, it takes their lungs and just, uh, it really crushes them. And and so they die, you know, they, they, they die of pneumonia, they die. Of, so I didn't have that. And so they, they there's no chance I could live, but I did. And so as the weeks went on, I was in and out of a coma for a few weeks. And finally I came to and they explained what had happened. And, and they, uh, you know, I, they tell, told me I was blind. I lost my eyelids. I lost my nose, my one ear, and I lost my lips and, and the skin on my face, that sort of thing. <clears throat> and and so when they told me I was blind and um, I would get whacked out, you know, yeah. emotionally, I would just be a wreck. And because I was in a lot of pain and they gave me morphine. And so for nearly a whole year, I got morphine every four hours. And if you have an idea of what morphine does to you, it helps relieve the pain. But as you come off of that morphine, it also is very depressing. Yeah. And, and people don't realize that, but drugs can get you high, but they leave you depressed. Yeah. And so a, a combination of the morphine, but also just my thought, and, and, and I had to be really careful. I learned uh, as, as bad as it was, I, I said, if I'm not careful, my thinking is going to take me right to suicide. And so my natural desire when I got my eyesight and I got out of the hospital. That's like a whole new world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so the, the, the only bad thing that lingered is I didn't have medical insurance. And so I owed a gazillion dollars. I mean, I was in the ICU for months and, yeah. and the expense of it was just horrific. And, and so we, my folks had divorced a few years earlier and they were getting ready to file bankruptcy with the trucking company. And my dad said, I think we can put you in as a minor. We think we can bankrupt these expenses. 
And and I thought about that, uh, you know, for several days. And my dad came back in and said, well, the attorney says we're, we're ready to file. And I remember I said, dad, you know, these doctors, they saved my life. Yeah. You know, they saved my eyesight. I said, I can't do this. I can't. Isn't it? Yeah. So, and so that day, that week, that month, I grew up. I became not a 19-year-old punk kid. You know, he didn't, he didn't have video games and the internet and everything. But I didn't, you know, I wasn't. Right. I became very serious minded. Yeah. And and it was like I became 50 years old. Wow. Yeah. Evidence of that is all my friends, all my life, since I was able to, a few years later, get a lot of operations done and get my eyelids on and nose put on and lips pulled out. And and I met a young lady and we got married and have a wonderful family. But, but our friends are always like 30 years older than we are. <laughs> <laughs> Really, truly. <laughs> right, right. So one thing, you you read The Richest Man in Babylon, and you actually listened to it. Talk about that story because that's super inspirational. And talk about the key takeaways from your mindset change from listening to that book in the hospital fighting for your life. I, I started to stabilize, and they gave me hope. And so I started gaining weight. And that was really exciting. And and so, wow, I mean, I wrestled in high school and I wrestled the 141 weight class and I was getting too heavy. I was growing. And and so I couldn't stay in that weight class. I was I fasted. I, I did everything I could do. I sweat, you know, put in the steam room, but I couldn't get down to 141. At this point, after I, three months down after the accident, I weighed 92 pounds. So I was skin and bones. My brother was really insightful. He had run across that book in college and he brought it to me. And so I had my family read it to me, any members that would show up. And, and I remember you saying this in our long conversation. You're like, I wanted them to read the book because I don't want to like, everyone says, how are you doing? And like, okay, I, I'm not doing that great. <laughs> like what's there to talk about? Like, so you're like, instead of having those conversations, why don't when they come in, they read is that is that correct like just yeah sure sure because give. because you know it was no different than the day before and that wasn't yeah. different the week before that i go right so what is there left to say yeah 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 but as they read the book you can read that book um without all the emotional baggage i had and and it's still inspiring but right. but when i had on my head my neck a, a a boondoggle. I mean, a, a big weight saying that I owed so much yeah. money, you know, right. and, and this accounting clerk, Mrs. Brown came in every Friday at noon and she had one of those old cassettes, cassette where you, the papers are full fan folded for, you know, many, many, you know, like a hundred pages, but it had a printout of all my expenses and what I owed the hospital. Oh, wow. And so every Friday at noon, I made sure I waited to have my morphine shot until just five minutes before. <laughs> <laughs> so that I could endure it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so every week I was reminded vividly of, of uh, how much I owed and, and owed more than the week before and so forth. Anyway, so so when the book came in, it said, really control thy expenditures. And then it said towards the end, it's the camel trader. And, and, and oh, wow, you put money in motion. Yeah. And, yep. and, I, and I had saved, I had several thousand dollars in the bank for a young man. That's uh, quite remarkable. I had all yep. my college already saved. Uh, I intended to serve a full-time mission of two years for my church. And I had that money all ready to go. Yep. And most young, I don't, I don't many young men who have 
worked hard to earn, earn the money to save that money. Right. But I did. And so when the debt in the hospital far exceeded what I had in the bank. It was depressing. It was depressing, except the richest man in Babylon said, put money in motion. Yeah. And in my mind, I said, how do I do that? Richest Man in Babylon was the book that inspired me to get going. But for the people that have never read that book, number one, read it. But number two, how would you explain that book in a nutshell? And what were the key takeaways? Because again, you're listening. How many times do you think you heard that book or read that book in that time in the hospital? Uh, probably 30. 30 times. Oh, at least 30. Like I need people to hear that because we read a book once and we think we're good. No, no. 30 I, I, times. I, I probably in total... Uh, within the next few years, uh, one or two years, probably 50. And you memorize that book word for word. I memorized the, the, the parts that would linger forever. Yeah. And, and so in that book, it taught me some principles, which I had no other bearing. I had no perspective. I just said, wow, these principles really, really sound good. They're based on 4,000 years of people living and managing money. They go clear back to the earliest time money ever became known in Babylon. And so I'm, I'm sitting here going, wow, I got to buy into this. I mean, I, I, yeah. what else is there? I, what do I have to lose? And so, so I did hook line and sinker. I bought into those principles. So that's why I kept reading and have my family read and read, read, read. And, and, and then I, I committed it to memory. And, and, then, and then there was a chapter on the clay tablets and it teaches you how to pay off one debt, put that debt payment on the next roll down. Some people call it power down. Some people call roll up uh, and snowball effect. But, but, the, but the principle absolutely works. And you can see it in and the geometric progression on mathematics. You can see it in every part of our life. The mortgages, uh, the hidden figures, it's a movie, and the, the, the lady used old math to make sure John Glenn could come back into the atmosphere properly and save his life and, and, uh, and then get to the moon you know, later. So, so math, 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 math. Math is amazing yeah. because before they went to the moon, they proved it mathematically before they yeah. built any kind of a vehicle or thought about it. And so mathematically they determined they could do it. And then they started from there. So, so when you think about it, you, you can, as Einstein said, you know, and geometric progression is one of the <laughs> major uh, yeah. uh, eighth wonder of the world. And so, so, ge so people may not know what geometric, uh, there's arithmetic and the geometric. If it's arithmetic, it goes up two by two by two by two by two by two. But geometric means two times two times two times two times two. So yeah. one, five twos get you 10, but multiply them, you get 32. Well, 32 is 3.2 times bigger than 10. Wow. And, and so when you learn, how to geometricize your 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 finances? Whoa, man! So, so that uh, the chapter on the clay tablets was amazing. I said, oh, you know, I can, I might be able to get this done, but I need to get money in motion. I need to do what the camel trader did, and so I went and I tried to figure it out. So here's what I did: I found I was pretty good at fixing up old cars. So I'd buy a dumb old car, like a '57 Chevy. It's very popular, you know. Yeah. Uh, a T-Bird, uh, a, um, a 40 Ford, 1940 Ford, and uh, uh, things like that. So I'd, I'd buy them, and then I'd sand them and paint them. And, and uh, what I couldn't do, I hired out. And then, because I had the money, 
you know, I hadn't yeah. spent it all. And so I earned the money to pay my medical bills. It was just an amazing thing that I then had an incredible neighbor. Yeah. He was an insurance agent. His name is Leonard Graham. We call him Bo. And Bo sold me a $10,000 whole life policy and said, why don't you keep your, your savings here and use it out of this policy so creditors can't come and grab it? And I said, hmm, will they come and grab it? <laughs> he, <laughs> he said, well, as many as you have, you got problems. <laughs> and because you do intend to pay them, but you want to pay them on your schedule. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And I was able to get it issued. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't very much. And so the insurance company, even though I'd been severely burned, internally there weren't any problems. Uh, and so yeah. so I was able to get that. And so that 10000 little whole life policy was in 1968. And you did the banking strategy with that paid off debt. I did. I and did. your money grew tax-free. Yeah, Nelson Nash caught the vision and started in 1972. Wow. wow. I think Pamela Yellen did in 1990. Wow. So, unknown to me, I started the banking concept yeah. with a 10,000 whole life policy using the principles found in Richest Man in Babylon, which we're going to cover right now. When I heard this, and it was inspirational, nowhere in Richest Man in Babylon does it tell you how to control your expenditures. It doesn't tell yeah. you how to put money in motion. It does not yeah. do that. Yeah. So that's why I dedicated myself to learn how to do that. And, and so I, was, I went on a campaign. You know, I, so I, I'd find someone who's really sharp at putting money in motion, and I would interview them, and I'd stay with them. I, I was so fortunate that some of those people were in their late 70s at the time yep. and put me under their wing and stayed with me five, six, ten years and coached me. Yeah. And they just thought it was um, wonderful that I would have the maturity to mm -hmm. ask them how were they successful and what could I do? <laughs> and they were thrilled. So it, there's tons of people who want to help. I know. The, the biggest compliment we can ask someone is to ask their opinion. Yes. Ask their sure. advice. Because yeah. think about how flattering that is. It's like, man, I, I respect you so much that I want to hear what you would do. And I'm in the same boat, man. I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing because of people like you that have so selflessly gone before me. And, will it, and you're, you're sharing 50 years plus of experience with me that I don't have to go live through if I really can learn at your feet. Let me lay the groundwork for what I learned is the difference between a financial advisor and a financial coach. Okay. An advisor wants your money and deal with just the money you've already created. A financial coach, which is Richest Man in Babylon's point, is to teach you how to create the money in the first place. Yep. So there's that. That is a big difference. That's a big difference. And, and part, part of the reason why we have our blueprint is so that we can help people with their whole, whole picture, not, the just whole the, picture. not just babysit the money that someone already has. Okay, so that's the backdrop. Okay. And, and, and if financial advisors were so darn good, then why do we all have a problem? Just so you guys all know, Peter and I are collaborating and doing things that, have a, that are going to have a massive impact on you, 
on the people that need help get, getting these 10 principles. So this is just the start. And again, Peter, I just want to thank you because this has been, this has been so enjoyable so far and we haven't even gotten to the good part yet. So, <laughs> all right. So let's, um, and I just want to give a little context to these 10 principles. These 10 principles is what I, this is what trained me when I was 19 years old, 20 years old at the bank. I did this presentation multiple times, not knowing that you were, you are behind this whole thing, but someone comes sitting down with you. They come sitting down with me and they want to learn the 10 principles. What's principle number one? Is that spending is emotional. That means that it's more emotional than it is mathematical. Mm -hmm. So when you got $880 in your checking account and the water heater just went out and it's going to be 910, that's an emotional event, right? Because now the 880 has got to be used for a hot water heater and not food. And so oftentimes that'll go on a credit card before you know it, that adds up and adds up and adds up with interest. And the payment that would be required is going to drain out some of the 880 and and then permanently for years to come. So, so people need to know that we're not ever dealing with mathematics. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. you, You can do the numbers in your checkbook and say, okay, I have so much in my, that doesn't matter. It's a, we have to learn how to understand ourselves emotionally. Yeah. Biggest blessings ever, Caleb, is to lay in the hospital bed for months and months and months. And because of a little activity, I might have slept 30 minutes in a 24-hour period. Wow. Had a lot of time to think. Had a lot of time to get to know myself. Had a lot of time to check my emotions. And my coaches that I love dearly, they would come to me and they would check my stinking thinking. Hmm. They say, Peter, that's not right. You've got so much to live for. And and so they picked me up. They literally said, no, you got to get excited. You get out of that bed. You got to get excited. (laughs) When do you you think I'll get out of this bed? So I didn't walk for months and tore my, my leg got caught under the seat when they took me out of the burning vehicle and, dislocated my long my leg and my arm and that wow. they they didn't know that because they were worried about the burns for several months so they didn't put them back in for a long long time so there's a lot of issues that, that came along but but i just want to conclude on principle one it is amazing when you when you realize that you need to th- get a system that works for you emotionally you then that's half the battle yep because principle 10 is money in motion creates more money. That's where you can really create wealth. Yep. But if you're not well-grounded in the very first one about emotions and controlling your emotions, uh, you'll never keep your money. Right. Even if you do make a lot. Okay. Yeah. And I, I would say the think, think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill was the big aha moment for me at young age. It's like, Caleb, wealth is in how you think. Yeah. And while that book, again, has some weird stuff in it, I don't necessarily endorse it for everyone to read. It's, it was the big aha moment for me to like going back to, you know, it's how you think it's wealth is how you think. Exactly. Exactly. Well, principle two is all about tracking because when you can track your income and track your outgo and compare, then you learn about yourself. You learn about what kind of an emotional animal you are. If you're quick to respond to all kinds of things, or are you more methodical, more analytic? And and to learn about yourself is really important because then you yeah. can manage better. Yeah. And so principle two is when you track it, you control it. So, so powerful. And and 
I, I, I did a time management class years ago and now I do it once a year. And right. I take, I take uh, the, the day and it's broken down in every 15 minute segment. Wow. I, I have a, a letter that stands for the activity. Like if I'm going to go work out, it's physical. It's, I put a P. Right. But, but if I'm, I'm brushing my teeth and showering and stuff like that, then I'm just taking care of my uh, self. If, if I'm in meetings or if I'm studying, I, so I have all this. So anyway, all I have to do is <clears throat> go down every 15 minutes for an entire week and just put the letters. And when I, I get done, I can add it all up. Yeah. And it's no big deal. And then I can say, wow, I didn't know I was spending that kind of time on that. Right. And I can adjust it. So tracking you really do control it. So, so when Alex McKenzie, his PhD, who taught this time trap, it's a book. It's an incredible thing. And it, and I said that's exactly what I'm talking about money because yeah, it's no different. And I said you always find two hours a day if you go through Alex McKenzie's yep. time trap and and track your time. You'll find two hours a day. Wow. So I've taught classes for, for 50 years and, and I have them build a spending plan to go back over the last 12 months to see where they've spent their money and then start tracking it. Yeah. And people always find 1% of their annual income a month they're wasting. Wow. So if someone's making 60 grand a year, they'll find $600 each month. And that's from principle two. So, so principle two tracking is par- is really important, but three is a it dovetails in because spending there's no such thing as savings; it's yeah. all spending. So you need to spend with purpose. You want to spend into an emergency plan that you'll use that money later when there's an emergency. You need to spend into a long term savings that you'll you'll use at retirement. You need to spend all your money. So, what I'd like to teach people to do is how to spend their money different, not save. Sounds counterintuitive, but really say it. you spend your money so that you've spent it and it's out of sight, out of mind for a purpose. Right. And and this is this goes back to my memory. I'm going out on a limb here, but I remember a pie chart with three things: emergency, vacation, and long term. Yeah. Sixty percent going to long term, twenty percent going to vacation, twenty percent going to emergency. I don't know if that's correct, but that's, that's my, correct. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. The word for vacation is emotional. Emotional. Okay. okay. Because when people get depressed and they'll say, we've got to take a break, we've got to go up to this resort and it's going to cost us $300 and I don't care. I'm just going to do it. I'll pay it off later. Well, that's not a, it, if you have that money in the, in the bank for emotional purposes for fun, it's mad money. I call it mad money. There's no accounting to it. Yeah. Then what happens when you go, you, you don't, you have no worries because all your other expenditures are taken care of. So in, in another way to say this, if you have, if you're saving a thousand dollars a month, 600 of that will go long-term. And no, if you, let's say you have um, 6,600 a month to save to put somewhere in long-term, some 60%, 60% in long-term, yes. 20, 20 go into an emergency and 20 yep. in Okay. When your when your emergency is big enough to handle three months, four or five months, you set that at, at, um, at three months of living. Then then you don't need to keep putting money there. You've got it. More money. So let's go to principle four. It's a chapter on the clay tablets. And this wise man, Mathan, said, "Hey, pay off a debt, and since you're used to making the payment." put that payment on the next debt. And if you do that, it's an amazing calculation because you'll always come up on the average person, say they have six debts, including a mortgage, 
and just the interest that you're wasting and what it would grow to be would be excessive over well over a million dollars the average person and so I really in class I never use the word a million but it never misses because people don't believe me yeah and so I went to 500 they still didn't believe me and until they actually did the exercise but then a 300 grand they would believe me so I always say if you'll do this exercise you'll find at least three hundred thousand dollars that you're white that you're wasting. wow wow that They'll got say, everyone's attention and they go way. wow that's so exciting when they all done and they come back to class and they're doing that this is a million dollars this is a million one hundred thousand this is nine hundred and eighteen grand this is you know, it's really true yeah it's so funny and i go yeah well then that 300 is pretty good right yeah <laughs> so but, you're saying if you said a million people just wouldn't couldn't comprehend that they did so but they and the reality is most simply, people yeah, emotionally, I get you. So let's talk about let, let's talk about this because I remember in your story, you're in the hospital, you're listening to this book 10, 20, 30 times. And you're like, there's no way that this math works. And you had like an aha moment when you started, when you could see for the first time, and you started writing down the math. And and you were like, this works. It's math. So principle number four is power down your debt. It's clay yes. tablets. And essentially, how we do that is you make a list of all your debts and you, and you put l number one debt is the smallest balance, not the highest interest rate. We're all about balance, right? You can do it that way. Or the best way is the earliest to be paid off. Okay. Okay. That not, not the interest rate you go, that you think it is, but it's not. And so if you have an 18% interest rate and something else is at six, but that's the, the one at 6% can be paid off in three months. You have a payment available to you in three months to put on the 18 percenter. Got it. Got and it. So, so you're coaching people on like with the debt that you can pay off the, the quickest first. with the minimum payment, right? That's correct. So you put that at the top. And then, so if you're going to put your mortgage no, in, not this, with the minimum, yeah, with the minimum payment. Yeah. Correct. So, so we have. Let's let's talk. Let's just make this simple. Six debts. Okay, six debts. Debt number one is for a thousand. Debt number two is for five thousand. Okay, you go. Debt number three is for ten thousand. Then debt number six is your mortgage. Let's say a million. Okay. Okay. Um, and so debt number one would be a thousand. We would put the the balance, and then we put the minimum payment, whatever that is. And then debt number two would be that minimum payment. So then you, you lay that out. And then do you want to talk about what the power payment is? That's when you actually set up a spending plan and track it, like I've said, so that you find that 1% a month, uh, mm -hmm. that 1% of your annual income on a monthly basis in the right. $600. Then you use that on debt number one. And that'll be paid off quicker than the others. Yep. Then both of the payment on the, the $600 added to the payment on the first debt, you put on the second debt. Yep. And so, and you keep adding them up. So you don't ever stop paying just because they're out of debt. You don't stop. Right. So just because I'm going to do this because I know this is, this people are listening to this. So debt number one is a thousand dollars. Let's say the minimum payment's 50 bucks. It'll probably be more than that. But let's say it's 50 bucks. And let's say because you track your spending, you're finding, you know, $600. <laughs> that would be amazing. Let's say you're, you used to find $300 a month that you can put in your power payment. Once you pay off that debt, that debt number one, you're taking the $50 minimum payment and the $300 that you've already found and you're bringing that down to debt number two. That's correct. And when you do that, the average person will be debt free, including their mortgage in nine years or less. Always comes out less than 10. That's, that's incredible. 10, 10 or less. Sometimes they go 10. Never, I've never had it more, ever.
That's incredible. It is. And when you see it mathematically, you say, I don't believe that. Oh yeah. People are like listening to this and they're like, I don't believe you. I didn't either, but, but I didn't have to wait five years. Yeah. I waited, you know, two months and it was right. Four months, six months, 12 months, 12 months along. It was right on time. It was exactly as I had planned. I go, this can't be. Yeah. But, but think of my self-esteem. Yeah. Because I saw the end. So yep. what I was what I was saying, Caleb, is if I'm making twenty two hundred a month, and the amount I owed would take forty one years to pay, mm-hmm. forty one years to pay off, forty one years of my income that's, gone. That's insane. And so I said, I, I can't do this. And so I had to figure out a way to make more money, and then live expeditiously so that I could, you know, put all of it on my debt. Now, some of these doctors in uh, uh, one of the hospitals, they were so nice. Uh, they could see that I was, uh, you know, uh, making an effort and all that. And then they would cut their bill in half. And uh, one doctor was so incredibly thrilled that I was doing everything and making payments to him. He just paid it in full for me. Wow. So, wow. so one, some miracles happened along yeah, the way. Yeah, totally. But, but it wasn't – but I also – I showed them that in the principles of the richest man of Babylon, that I was not going to bankrupt them. Yeah. And, and they were, they probably everyone, never had that happen. As I paid off this one particular doctor, he said, I never, we never counted a one payment. We never thought we'd get one payment ever. Wow. And that I was, I go, Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was kind right. of, Let, let's go to, let's go to principle five. That's it's. So I hope people get that because that alone that alone is such an amazing nugget. Well, many times in a financial decision, you don't know what's on the backside of your decision. You yeah. can't pick it up. As in dice, you can pick it up. Oh, it's yeah. six. You can't do that. And many, many times uh, when you're financing a home, when you're planning for retirement, when you're, I mean, you don't know the answers. And so if you know the rules, meaning you got to take your contracts, say it's an auto insurance policy. Go over it with your agent and take red ink and underline the parts that are important to you. And then you keep that. It's called redlining. But at least I know the rules on my auto. So if someone hits me, I know what to do. Yeah. And, and, and it's on everything. And so what people do is take that auto insurance policy and all their other documents and they throw them in drawers and it's flat. It's flat, 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 yeah. flat. Well, well, pretty quick. You you know your important documents are in that drawer, and it, it, I don't even want to open it up. I don't even care. Yeah. I can't even start. I don't even want to look at it. Yeah. yeah. I don't even want to look at it. And so when, when we talk about know the rules, you've got to put forth the effort to read stuff, not trust. You can trust too. No, that's important. Yeah. Find people you trust, but 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 read and know for yourself how things work, not just go willy-nilly because sometimes well in time that drawer gets thicker and thicker and 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 it, maybe you have two drawers maybe you have a whole desk full but but you won't know the answers to some questions that you're going to need to know sometimes in five minutes yeah and so you'll make bad decisions and bad bad mistakes and it'll cost you a ton so so not knowing the rules is probably one of the most expensive principles mm. not to not to execute Principle number six. The rules are always changing. What doesn't change? <laughs> so you're telling me, know the rules, and oh, by the way, the rules are always changing, which is true. That's true. So if you know them, you have a foundation to work off of. So when they change, you know how to adjust. Yeah. But, but your health changes. 
Uh, yeah. The weather changes. Uh, in fact, what doesn't change? We just uh, we viewed our community just yesterday, and three restaurants that we love are no longer in business. Wow. And we went to them for 30, 40 years. And and we go, what happened? <laughs> yeah. So back to, to, to the rules are always changing. You've got to be careful because remember principle one, everything is so darned emotional. And when things change, we too can get blindsided and our emotions can make big mistakes because of the changes. Mm-hmm. And so don't get scared of change, but you, you really need to put your arms around change and, and embrace it and not be afraid of it. Okay. Step number seven. This one's powerful. This is always look at the big picture and oh my gosh. It's so fun. So seven's big picture and it's essentially what's the story that goes with that. Yeah. But if you don't know the little picture and tracking in number two, you're right. Power down in four, you will never and never see the big picture. Right. And yeah, if you're overwhelmed with debt, if you're not tracking your spending, if you're not paying, if you're not paying yourself first as or another or spending your money in a long-term emergency and emotional. This is the way that I say it is like, let's get your life in order. But if you're making 50K, let's ask, what if, what if you could make a couple tweaks in your life and double your income? Yeah. 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 By the way, that changes your life. And that may not be possible if you're not able to start tracking your spending and all that other stuff and making sure that we're stopping the bleeding. But it's like, if you never look at the big picture, you could be diligent your whole life and live to a fraction of your potential. Now let's go to eight. All right. Getting organized. <laughs> my, my favorite, right? Yeah, <laughs> going back to that, going back to the, uh, know the rules. I got the junk drawer. <laughs> How many junk drawers do you have? Uh, too many. I'm, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I see you're only seeing my office, the camera. You don't see the, the craziness going on well, on my desk right now. Well, it's funny because we, we have these things that we don't, we think we might need them, and so we keep them. And before you know, before long, it builds up and builds up, you know, and all of that. And I, I had this artist. Now picture this in your mind: if you went into your closet, your garage, your trunk—not not you personally, but anybody in general—and you took everything that you didn't need, didn't want, again that you you thought at the time you did, and you bought it. Yeah. And let's say every bit of it would float. And you put it out on the ocean. So you do it. I do it. Everybody does it. We take what we no longer need that we thought was important and it's floating on the ocean. Yeah. Yep. What would the ocean look like? It wouldn't be good. <laughs> it wouldn't be good. No, we wouldn't want to go swimming. No, no. <laughs> and so principle A means is, is constantly declutter. Yeah, constantly uh, get your your act together and um, and 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 play like uh, you know that you are retiring, even though you're not. Yeah. But and play like so you can play what ifs and say what if this, what if this, what if that. And and so I encourage people on principle eight, getting organized, is to once a year kill themselves on paper. Yeah. Wow. And and you know it's funny. Before you were going to say that, I was thinking of Stephen Covey think with the end in mind. And the crazy thing is number eight doesn't make a ton of sense if you don't have number seven. Big That's thing, right. Think about the big picture. But then but then kill your kill yourself on paper is really profound because then it's like, what does that look like? Well, when you start elementary school, they do these fire drills. Yeah. Purposely. In, in yeah. You know, they don't do it later in college. They just do it when you're young. And so and so we want to do a fire drill on your finances. Yeah. 
Okay. Principle nine. Yes. I love this. Understanding taxation allows you to keep more of your money. Right. So many people who don't know the rules, they don't know how to look at their, their taxes and they just, and they, they get nervous and they say, okay, I'm not going to take this deduction. I don't want to get audited and you know, all this stuff. If, if you're playing by the rules and you're not cheating, you yep. know, you know, you know, you don't need to worry about an audit for one thing, but when you learn there's so many people so that need um, with a little bit of information can just save a lot of tax. So for my clients, Caleb, just so you know, is I audit their tax returns. Well, and, and, and I go back two years, sometimes three, but what I do is I don't do it because I'm not a tax expert. I've become one just watching all the red lines that my CPA does for my clients. Right. As he does that over and over and over and over and over, I've, I've learned. But but it's kind of funny because he'll average two to three grand of savings on every tax review. Wow. And so Sandy Botkin, I had yeah. him do that on a test with uh, – he had lined up five people, already filed their taxes, everything. And he said, in 15 minutes, I'll find you five grand. Wow. wow. And then he did. He took their tax return <laughs> and he found five grand on each of five people. That's amazing. Cold. That's, a, that's amazing. Cold. That's yeah. <laughs> it's really amazing. I wish you were just a little bit more passionate about it, Peter. <laughs> I just thought it was it's something everybody can do. Right. If yeah. they put forth the effort as in five, know the rules and, and to read and study. Yeah. It's not that hard to save yourself two grand a year. Yeah, the two guarantees in life. Yeah, death and taxes. Right. So let's let's minimize let's minimize one of them. <laughs> ten. Should we do ten? Yes, absolutely. Ten is so powerful. It means to learn to put money in motion. So if a person doesn't control their spending, so they can create a surplus, they'll never learn. They yeah. won't have anything to work with. Yeah. So when we get home and we're tired, the last thing we want to do is go back to work. But when somebody knows the principle and they're looking for opportunities to put money in motion and they have a surplus, even though they're tired at the end of the day, they come home, they're excited because they're working on money in motion. Yeah. They have a purpose, a real genuine purpose, and they get excited. They're not tired. They're not any different than anybody else that's worked all day. It's just that they have some exciting things happening. <laughs> and the other person is saying, mm, I don't right. know where I'm a dead end street. I don't know what I'm going to do for retirement, blah, 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 blah. You know. So, and it really seven, seven's big picture. Eight's getting organized. Nine is figuring out taxation, which by the way, affects, affects everyone. But number 10 is figuring out a way to get our money in motion to go to where we want to go. Yeah. So let me give you um, some experience when I start this and people think that you need 30 grand, you need to do real estate for 150 grand. Yeah. Baloney. Yep. Just if you could do $30 and flip it and make 50, I mean, then that's the principle because you're learning. Yeah. Boom, boom. So a guy, he bought a house, he, he was uh, going to cut down these trees and he, uh, and I looked at him and I said, these are really weird looking trees. Why don't you have a tree guy look at it? Found out it was this special kind of Chinese wood. It was amazing. And so he went to the, the lumber company that mills them and all that stuff. And he said, what will you give me for this? And he said, we'll give you $1,500. So instead of 
paying money to cut down his tree. Yeah. They cut it down and gave him $1,500. Yeah. Wow. And he said, well, Peter, that's really, really cool. No, long the short of this, he figured out how to get one of those little lathes, and he then makes pens, the wood pens out of special yeah. wood. So the tree gave him the idea, and so he sells, he makes pens on his lathe, and he sells them and makes some money. He makes really good money. Wow. But it came from an idea on the super tree. Yep. And so one thing, because your mindset is about Yeah, it's how you think. You're it's how you think. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's my point. When you retire, you should be able on your own with the money you saved, put that in motion and make more money for your entire retirement and not use it. Powerful. Isn't that That's a goal? Powerful. Yeah. Isn't that a goal? Yes. I love it. <laughs> so let's suppose you lived age 89, that yeah. you're doing a deal. You're doing deals to put money in motion when you're 88, 87, yes. 82, 81, 79, whatever. Yes. Cause, because really that's powerful. That's extremely powerful. <laughs> okay, take extremely Trump. powerful. They take Mitt Romney, take Trump. I, I know their numbers, but they each set aside a bunch of money, like $40 million, and they're going to make a run at the presidency. And if they ran out of money and before they got traction, then that was it. But the $43 million in, in, in Romney's case, he didn't care. I mean, that didn't hurt him. Because right. his machine was making the money in motion, was making right. more money than the 43. And so it wasn't his life savings. It was just the earnings yeah. from his money in motion. Yes. And so it didn't yes. hurt him. And, so, and here's, here's the deal is if you're listening or, or as you listen to this, where are areas in your life that you can get money in motion? Like that tree example is super unique. I love that you shared that. And, and that it looks different for each person, but there's opportunities all around. So, so I was involved in a soccer team and we had some girls that, I mean, it was a competitive team and it was expensive, you know, to travel and yep. out of state and stuff like that. And a couple of girls, their parents just didn't have the money, but the girls were talented. And so as a team, and we figured out how to go to this printing company and they, they put the, you know, how when you run for Congress, they put these doorknobs, stickers on, vote for so-and-so or whatever. So they advertise like a six cents a door. And so we had the girls uh, take a soccer ball at his feet and go around all the neighborhoods and hang and made six cents each. And it paid for all of their fees and all of their equipment. So the mm -hmm. parents didn't have to come up with any money, but the girls still got exercise, learned how to take a ball up and down stairs. Yeah. And they made six cents every time they hung one of those things. So, so yeah. that's, yeah. that's pretty powerful. That's extremely powerful. Okay, so I'm going to whip through these. I, we'll figure out a way for me to get a handout to put a link because I know everyone will want to go get their sheet of paper. And then, Peter, I'm, I'm just going to – I've wrote this down. I, I said I'm going to do a course with you that's going to impact hundreds of thousands of people because people um, – America needs this. And so we'll find a time where I get down to Salt Lake and we make that happen. Okay, I'd be delighted. We'll have a bonus round because I, I want people to own the 10, 10 principles and not get super overwhelmed. But I'm telling you, this is going to be this is going to be fun. So without further ado, thank you so much. And yeah, I really appreciate your time. I would love to hear your feedback. I would love to hear what, what was the number one thing that resonated with you. And isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that Peter is doing what he loves and impacting so many people at 73 years old? And you guys, this guy has more energy than me. I'm telling you, if that doesn't tell you something, if that doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. But here's my ask. 
please share this with other people that need to hear this message. Like it's one thing if, if this, if you got some key takeaways and I hope this helped you, but please think about someone that you could think about sharing this with um, because they need to hear this message. We need to get this message out to more people. Uh, as always, if you have not subscribed, please do so. And leaving a written review really helps me out a lot because that helps us get uh, with the algorithm how more people see our podcast. So I appreciate all of you guys. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week and tune in next week for part two of my conversation with Peter. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.